This is Yolanda Robbins, your host of the Parish Property Chronicles. In this episode of the Parish Property Chronicles, my guest is Sean Quinn, a U.S. and French practicing attorney who is registered with both the New York and French Bar. Sean, who is originally from upstate New York, relocated to France in 2010. His primary areas of practice include U.S. immigration and nationality law, U.S. federal income tax, as well as French immigration and citizenship. Let's hear how this native New York attorney can assist you with your visa, immigration, and residency issues in France. Sean, I want to thank you for joining us today on this episode of the Paris Property Chronicles. Today, we're going to talk about immigration issues, specifically between the U.S. and France, which should be of great interest to my listeners. You're originally from the U.S., but moved to France as a following spouse, if, if I understand correctly. Can you, can you tell us where you hail from in the U.S., and what was the reason for your relocating to France? Well, I'm originally from upstate New York, near Albany, a small town called Saratoga Springs. Um, I met my, my wife in uh, the U.S., and afterwards she had to come back to take the French bar, so I came and followed her over back, back to France, going through the immigration process there, uh, from student visa to work visa to, to professional visa to family-based visa. Uh, so I've gone through the whole immigration process in France, and, you know, uh, just made more sense uh, to uh, be in France, uh, given her work and my, my work. Oh, you absolutely are going to have a lot to share with our listeners <laughs> because you've gone through the process yourself, <laughs> which yeah. is pretty important. Tell us where you live in France, in Paris right now. Uh, just outside of Paris. My offices are located right next to La Défense, a city called Puteau, mm-hmm. which is easy because I have a lot of clients that go to the U.S. Embassy in Paris, and therefore, you know, I have clients all over France, I have clients all over the United States, and, you know, California, Hawaii, a lot as well. And so, uh, at one point or another, clients come to see me, uh, and Paris has been a good base for, for, for doing that, because majority of my clients are French, also American as well, because I'm dealing a lot with family immigration to the United States, and also work uh, visas for the United States. So I'm dealing with U.S. employers and things like that. Okay. Just for our edification or for my edification, are you yourself a resident of France or a citizen of France? And can you tell us how you ob- obtained the status depending on which? Uh, well, yeah. Um, well, I'm a, rich, uh, I'm a resident of France. Um, I am applying for uh, French natu- naturalization as well. Um, all my my French uh, immigration colleagues are have been making fun of me recently. Because? Because I have not applied for it. And they said, this is ridiculous. You should be applying. So I, I, uh, I guess it's what the cobbler has the worst shoes. Uh, so I've been, um, yeah, I, I'm preparing that file, which should be pretty uh, straightforward. But uh, yeah, I, I, like I said, I, I originally came under a student visa. Uh, and that process is by, you know, applying for, you know, generally speaking, uh, for any uh, immigration to France, you are going to apply for a visa at the uh, French consulate based on the jurisdiction of your residence outside outside of France. Uh, there are some limited exceptions where you will apply directly uh, in, in at the prefecture in France for status. But generally speaking, uh, the majority, you'll need to 
passed by the French consulate. So that's what I did, picked up my uh, French student visa. And from there, my wife and I, we originally got what's called Paxed. After I changed my status in France, uh, through that, you had to show a year uh, of continuous uh, relationship, of living together, uh, which give you a a private uh, family-based resident status. And then afterwards, we got married and that continued that. It's the same status, but uh, based different uh, regulation. And from there, you could just renew it uh, or get a long-term status 10-year card or naturalization. Uh, And just to clarify afterwards, once you do get that visa from the French consulate uh, and you need to, are going to stay in France for a longer period, you will apply for any renewals, uh, generally speaking, uh, with exceptions, uh, at the prefecture in France that has jurisdiction over your residence in France. I'm going to share just a little bit of my history because I'm an American citizen as well. I came here to France in 2004 on a student visa because I went to the Sorbonne to learn French. And let's fast forward because then I got married, I got divorced, and now I am a French citizen. I applied to become a French citizen probably about four and a half years ago after paying taxes and social charges for over 10 years. The process still took about 18 months, and I speak French, so I'm fairly fluent. I had to pass a French equivalency test, yep. both written and, and verbal, and then it still took a very long time to, to become a French citizen. So my question to you right now, are you prepared for your French uh, oral exam and your written exam? Uh, yeah, I, I took that already and I was okay. I'm actually also a French attorney, so uh, <laughs> um, I did not study for the, the language one, but I did okay, apparently. How would a family from France or even another country, if they were interested to immigrate to the U.S., how would, how would that happen to become a U.S. citizen? Okay, well, um, so yeah, that's a question that might be useful for your listeners as I do have a large clientele of uh, U.S. citizens uh, uh, and, you know, Francophone uh, that are living in France and they want to, you know, they spend maybe five years or so in France uh, or longer and they decide they want to go go to the U.S. and live there. And so what I, it's, it's good to have that conversation early because unlike uh, immigration to France, uh, the immigration to the United States is longer. If we're talking about family-based, uh, those cases for what we call immediate relatives, so it's spouses, uh, children under 21, or if you are the child uh, above 21 sponsoring a parent. And those are the quickest. And right now, I usually tell clients you should expect about probably at least 12 months of processing. 12 months of processing from the time when you make the request until it's actually uh, approved? Uh, Yeah, well, until they get the visa in hand, yeah. So originally what we're going to do is prepare a case. It's called an I-130. It'll be submitted to uh, directly to USCIS or United States Citizenship and Immigration Services by mail. They receive it, and we just wait until we get the approval notice with them. It's the first part of the case is just a legal requirement, making sure that they meet or can, or can actually get an immigrant visa. So there's that legal relationship. USCIS does do its own security background checks and all that uh, with the FBI. 
but that first step, we're really just looking at that. Afterwards, the case will be transferred to another agency called the National Visa Center, which they're located in New Hampshire, and their job is to prepare the file for the embassy. Uh, once that processing is done, the NBC will give that person an, an interview appointment at the embassy. Uh, if they're residing in France, then it's the U.S. Embassy in Paris. And if the visa is granted that day, they get their visa back uh, with the passport in seven to ten business days. And so it's it is that's a very brief summary of the process, but it is uh, a very long, long process. And it really depends how long USCIS at that first stage is taking the process because the other two steps are usually pretty quick, uh, rel relatively speaking. But that's our fastest way to, to go to the U.S. That's compared to, you know, French uh, family immigration. To get a visa long séjour, conjoint français, for example, spouses of French citizen, those, those take a month. And there's no filing fees. <laughs> so it's pretty quick. And so what I, what I do have a lot of time uh, as well as I have some clients that say, well, I'll come over on a French uh, spousal visa for the year while my green card application for my husband or wife is processing. And that allows the couple to stay together. So if I understand correctly, to prepare for U.S. versus France, the difference in, in terms of how long it takes is about a month if you want to come from the U.S. to France, and if you want to go from France to the U.S., about a year? Well, the, again, the process for the U.S., uh, from going to, for example, France to the U.S., uh, we're dealing with three different administrations, uh, uh, agencies of the administration with the going from U.S. to France or just dealing with the French consulate. So it's and the documentation is much lighter for you're showing, you know, letter of intent from the French spouse uh, showing that you want to, uh, that they're coming to live, that you have a family life together, copy of the marriage certificate. If you got married in France, it's the acte de mariage, copy integral, uh, full copy. Um, if you're getting, uh, if you got married in U.S., for example, you'll just need to get that marriage certificate transcribed with the French consulate and apply for the, the French long stay visa. But, so, in terms of documentation, it's much lighter and less complicated versus immigration to uh, the U.S., which is, you know, uh, and again, the 12 months. That's that's a pretty uh, straightforward case. The mm -hmm. processing can be quicker and, uh, or slower. And I do a lot of family immigration, so I get to see what are the trends going on right now. I've had some cases finish up in nine months. I've had other cases take, you know, up to maybe uh, 15, 16 months of processing. And that's with me that has many years of experience and trying to get the ball and the case moving uh, forward ahead of time. So getting all the documents, uh, you know, a month or two, uh, beforehand, because they can, you know, so, some of these financial documents that are part of the process can take time. Mm -hmm. Since I know the entire process, try to set everything up and try to save some time for the clients. So it's really important to be prepared and to have someone such as yourself to help them uh, navigate through the process itself, which uh, some of my clients are interested to retire in France. So it sounds like that would be a less labor-intensive process coming from the U.S. potentially to retiring in France, if I understand correctly. Yeah, it's a little bit, a little bit easier. I mean, you know, there's different ways to do it. Uh, I know there's some that want to just get a, a tourist visa, uh, showing that they're not going to be working for the year and that they have enough uh, income, uh, and then they can renew from from that. How has COVID affected immigration in both France and in the U.S.? 
uh, I'm not speaking about travel, but just in general, what what can you share with us um, how the pandemic has has affected uh, immigration between these two countries? Um, well, it's, it's really made it a lot more difficult. Me as the attorney dealing with different uh, agents, administrations has made it difficult on both ends. You know, things work, but they work, you know, less well. And you have clients that maybe need things in uh, emergency, and you're trying to deal with that at the same time. So from the U.S. side, USCIS has, I think they, they dropped a lot of employees. They've furloughed quite a bit. They are still working, though, uh, because the administration has put certain visa categories on hold that said they're not going to process them. So, for example, when I was talking about immigrant uh, spouses of, of U.S. citizens, those are immediate relatives. There's also what's called the family preference categories. So those are persons that still have a family relationship, so such as a, a brother or sister. And so there is an immigrant visa and a way to get a green card through that family relationship, uh, but it takes longer. So if we're talking about brothers and sister, uh, it's the family fourth category preference, and we're talking a good probably 14 years of processing or something like that. 14 years. Okay. Right. So that's a... Yeah, those that's are... A, it's long. <laughs> That's a pretty long time. Given the change or anticipated change in the administration, in the U.S. administration, do you think the process uh, might become less cumbersome or more facile, depending on who's in the White House? The regulations, the laws haven't changed uh, okay. over the years. However, what I've seen with the Trump administration was that sometimes in certain situations, as a professional, I, I was feeling that the, seeing how the cases are adjudicated. It, not all, again, this is this is hit or miss. Some of the regulations were being frustrated. It's hard to pin down uh, because you still have adjudicators that are doing their job. You still have consular officers that are doing their job good, it's particularly in Paris. I've, I've seen them doing, compared to what, I, what I've heard from colleagues, is that, you know, the embassy in Paris, for example, they usually do a pretty good job in, in following the regulations and making sure that the law is followed. Uh, but there have been instances over the years, I would say since 2018, um, that you would just see things. You, you think it's not, uh, that's not how the regulations are supposed to be done. And it's hard to give examples, but there, there's, it's enough to show that there's been frustrating. There's this other thing that the Trump administration has done that took effect in 2018, just as an example, called extreme vetting. Um, so the, the Trump administration said they wanted to do extreme vetting on all of these applications. Anyone that knows anything about immigration to the United States and the visa process already knows that it's pretty extreme. Right. <laughs> you can all get, yeah, we, they do their job, they do their security checks, and the statistics show that they, when there are like, you know, possible security threats, those are caught. There are numbers on those. Um, so over the years, the embassies and consul officers, they do a great job in catching that and making sure that those who should be getting visas get it and those that should not are, are not. Sometimes I think it's a little bit overzealous, <laughs> at least from my point of view. Some clients, they should be getting visas, but they're refused. Um, but that's the situation where we are in where the consul officer that only has, you know, two to five minutes to determine uh, if that person gets the visa. Over the last years, though, is certain persons that they just flag, they go into what we call uh, administrative processing after they applied for, I don't know, B2 or B1 uh, business visa. Uh, you know, they have cases that are three years and they haven't had a, re had a response yet. 
So, um, mm. yeah, that's the extreme vetting, but it's another way for a case just to go down a black hole and disappear. From my own personal experience doing it the other way, when I went through the process of becoming a French citizen, they asked for an FBI background check. So there is vetting on this side as well if, you, if you'd like to become a French citizen. What is the government agency in charge of immigration in France? The government has given the authority to administer the, the renewals uh, to séjour and nationalization to the uh, prefectures. What is interesting is that they do have followed, you know, somewhat well uh, together, but, you know, from it'll change on what kind of documents uh, that we're dealing requested, requested from prefecture to prefecture. And it, the only one thing I'd like your listeners to take into account and those that are planning for to decision uh, cards or naturalization is just bear in mind that the prefectures have a wide range of discretion. It's always better to come to the prefecture with more documentation that is necessary uh, just in case uh, they don't accept certain documents. Uh, and then, you know, have a discussion with them politely about if there is a problem with certain documents, uh, what specifically they, they want to, to convince them. I can attest to that personally. I came with a dossier that yeah. was more than I needed. And actually, it was very useful in submitting my uh, application for citizenship. Yeah, exactly. That's, and that's what you need to do. I think a lot of uh, persons, you know, particularly U.S. citizens, uh, they want to see a list and that's the list and, and they don't want to have to give anything else. They say, well, this is what you've asked for and this is what I'm presenting. That's not really how it works at the prefecture. It works as we want this and then we will see if there's something else needed. And the idea is trying to convince them that you meet the conditions. Can you just tell us where you are in the process of your getting your citizenship? Uh, well, I'm in the process of getting the final documents. I just need to get my birth certificate with an apostille. So the uh, otherwise the rest of the file is complete and I just have to mail it off. Ha have you actually had your interview yet? No, no. Again, I have, I'm, I'm finishing up the final documents and I'm going to be mailing off the, the file. Well, you can always contact me because I can, I can tell you. It was very interesting. And me being a person who likes to, I'm intellectually curious, they asked me a, a lot of questions, but I asked them a lot as well. Huh. <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm not sure if that helped me get my citizenship or it took the process longer. Can you give us a summary of some potential tax consequences for people who are interested to immigrate or to come to France as residents? If you're talking about U.S. citizens coming to France, I should tell them, and this happens from now, now, and now and again with U.S. citizens that grew up in the U.S., uh, that to remind you that you are taxed on your worldwide income, uh, regardless of where you're living. I have a number of clients over the years have contacted me saying, oh, I did not know that I had to file a U.S. tax return because I filed in France, and uh, so I don't have to do anything for the U.S. because I'm not the day that I came here, so I came here in 2004, I have been filing a U.S. Ta I've been filing both, but I, I filed a U.S. tax return, and you are correct. I have come across so many U.S. citizens who think that now that they live in France, they don't have to file a U.S. tax return. Yeah, and that you, need, you need to be a little bit careful about that, too. Generally speaking, I, I tell most clients that are residing in France because France is a high-tax country that 
it's most likely that you'll have, you know, unless you're making a, a, a lot of, a, a ton of money and uh, you in particular passive income, that you will pay probably little or nothing for the U.S. government, but you need to do that tax fine. What is more problematic when you come across some of these clients is that, again, I always put down U.S. tax, uh, federal taxes as two parts, uh, is the income tax return that could create tax liability and then informational filings on foreign assets. Mm-hmm. Uh, those are the ones that can get you into trouble and, and eventually have large penalties to pay uh, because those are filings that need to be done and they're statutory, which means if you miss the deadline, there's no, there are exceptions and I can explain, uh, but generally speaking, you could have a penalty. So you'll have no tax to pay on it, but if you don't do it, you have a penalty. So the one that most people know about is the uh, FBAR filings, the report on the, the, the bank accounts. Mm-hmm. If you miss it, then it's a ten thousand dollar penalty starting at. Um, and but there's others, you know. There's the if you own more than ten percent than a of a, of a non-U.S. company, there's some filings to do in certain cases. And those for, for commercial companies, those relate cause a ten thousand dollar penalty. If you ever receive gifts from a non-U.S. person over a hundred thousand, that's a reporting obligation. So there's a lot of these different reporting uh, requirements. Uh, that U.S. citizens have, and if they miss those, those can be problematic. And so when a client contacts me and says, uh, Sean, I did not file, you know, last five years because I didn't didn't know, uh, the idea is try to figure out um, what is their potential tax liability from federal tax purposes, uh, what's the informational filings that needed to be done, and it's a way to regularize regularization of their, their situation because the IRS... Over the last, you know, six, seven years, they've created different programs to try to get people back into the system. They, they realize that certain U.S. citizens don't realize these obligations, and so they give them a way that they can get back in. So, for example, the FBAR, if you haven't done it, they, they allow a delinquent filing. If you, do the, you can do the last six years, and they'll say, if you do it yourself and we haven't contacted you, do the last six years, and, and we'll, we won't penalize you for it. Okay, great. That's nice because you get rid of, you know, a good $60,000 of penalties right off the bat. Well, that's very helpful. You've already helped us today. Um, Is there something interesting that you're working on at the moment? And you don't have to give specifics, but just how you're currently helping a client through the immigration process? Well, um, I think a lot of my cases are interesting. It's just uh, ones I'm working on at the moment. I am dealing with a lot of uh, trying to get people to get in and out of France in the U.S. at the moment. So traveling to the U.S., uh, you have to, if, if you're in the Schengen area right now, there's a travel ban unless you meet a certain exemption. For example, the spouse of a U.S. citizen, you can travel. Travel ban doesn't apply to those persons. Um, but for a lot of people, they have to apply for what uh, is called the national interest exception in order to be able to uh, be granted from the, from the U.S. embassy permission to enter directly and take a flight directly from France mm-hmm. to the United States. Those are, you know, somewhat interesting cases. And then the other, the other side is, you know, U.S. citizens that want to come into France. That's actually more restrictive than the United States because, for example, someone that doesn't get a national interest exception, uh, again, the travel ban only applies if you're in the Schengen area. So I just tell a client, you know, if you spend 14 days in Mexico, the travel ban no longer applies to you and you can just enter. That's going to be extra money that they'll have to pay for a hotel and everything like that. But you can't do the, that from the U.S. You can't go 
outside another country and then try to get in uh, that way. It just doesn't work. Um, and so those are, are more limited. Uh, those requests are made with the French uh, consulates that send it over, the request over to the Ministry of Interior, and they will allow that person to get in if, if they believe. Uh, one of the new ones that was in the news was uh, the Love is Not Tourism. Mm-hmm. So there are some a uh, couple of uh, you know people that have been at least in a relationship six months prior to uh, the COVID. So you know prior to February uh, 2020, uh, you have to show at least six months of, of together. And that person, uh, one of the the U.S. citizen, has traveled at least once to France. And those are taking about four or five weeks to process. And but it allows uh, if they grant it, they it allows the the person that's in a long term. A relationship with the French citizen uh, to travel over to France. Okay, great. Is there a website just to obtain general information for um, my listeners in English that they can visit? Well, uh, for for which which aspect for U.S. immigration, French immigration, tax? Uh, U.S. and French. Let's start with that. Uh, well, for U.S., uh, it would be it, it would be um, USCIS.gov. That's the official website for immig- for U.S. immigration, and for for France, you can always check the French consulates. They're usually pretty pretty informative. Okay, great. And for tax, uh, these the IRS.gov. We all know those initials, especially if you're a U.S. citizen. How can our listeners get in touch with you if they're if they have questions or immigration issues or are interested in engaging you? Um, yeah, they can always check my website, uh, www.cabinetquin.com. And there I have my email address. It's contact uh, at cabinetquin.com. Uh, okay, great. Well, Sean, I really appreciate you taking the time to speak with us today about a, a just a brief snapshot <laughs> of immigration issues uh, between France and the U.S. Do you have any closing thoughts that you'd like to share with our listeners? Well, for any immigration, always plan ahead and don't hesitate to contact me. And if you are listening and you have a tax issue, uh, a U.S. uh, tax issue, don't hesitate to call me as well. Great. Thanks again for joining us today on the Paris Property Chronicles. Thank you. For more information on visas, immigration, residency, and citizenship in France, please contact Sean directly at www.cabinetquin.com. That's C-A-B-I-N-E-T-Q-U-I-N-N.com. Or visit the French Ministry's website at www.immigration.interieur.gouv.fr. I'm Yolanda Robbins. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Paris Property Chronicles. Property tailored for you.